Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. What's going on, weirdos? It's your boy, Andrew. And Stephanie. And welcome to the History for Weirdos podcast, episode number 17. Yay. And this time, I remembered it. Yeah, I expected you to remember it. <laughs> yeah, I'm the numbers guy here. Yes. So that would have been really bad. If you had... Twice in a row. Twice in a row to forget what episode we're on. Yeah. It's the corona brain, guys. Yeah, it definitely is. Like, I don't know what day it is. I know it's mm-hmm. Sunday because, like... You told me that, Mm -hmm, but like, I just lose track of it. Absolutely. I was on the phone with someone on Friday and I said, yeah, let's just schedule that call for tomorrow. And she was like, on Saturday. (laughs) So it's okay. We're all trying the best we can. Yeah. And speaking of that, Andrew, very kindly the last, last week took like quote unquote, my turn to share a weird history story with you all. So he did two episodes in a row where he was presenting the story. And so finally I'm back. I'm done with graduate school classes. <laughs> I can be a real functioning human again, maybe. Yeah. How does that feel? Tell everyone like, how does that like, how does your soul feel now? I think it hasn't fully hit me, but I do have like a very nice undercurrent of appreciation and gratitude. Mm -hmm. But I think it hasn't really hit me because I still, and I think this will go on for a little while. I still find myself when I'm just like relaxing or reading for fun. I'm like, Oh, I have to do homework. Oh my God. I have to write a paper. (laughs) You know that like, Oh shoot moment. But, um, hopefully that wears off with time. It's like your phantom homework. Yes, exactly. But I got to do some homework for this show, but it's homework that I like to do. That's true, yes. Because I love researching for our episodes. Yeah, me too, dude. Me mm-hmm. too. <laughs> well, Stephanie, what do you have prepared for today? I have something that I found really, really interesting, so I hope you all do as well. Uh-huh. I have the story of the true Amazon warriors. What? I thought this was mythical. This is real? The Amazons, with that name, is a Greek legend, but it is based in fact. It is rooted in a true tale. I had no idea. I just thought it was like, you know, from Wonder Woman. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. I was going (laughs) to say, well, first, before I jump into it, I want to really give so much credit to this National Geographic history article by Adrian Mayer. It's called The Real Amazons. Mm -hmm. If you get a chance to read it online or if you get Nat Geo History, you see it in the grocery store or something, I highly recommend you read it because she goes into a lot of really cool details, like historical details, cultural details, scientific details. It's very well written. I found it really fascinating. I read it twice. 
And that's what inspired this episode. So thank you to Adrian Mayer. And then the rest of my information I just got from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. You know what? Nat Geo is like starting to become one of my favorite things. It makes me so happy when we get a new issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but also like on Disney, if you have Disney Plus, you can have Nat Geo. We like Stephanie and I just watched like a three part episode on white wolves in like the Arctic. What was it? Kingdom of the Wolves? Yeah. Kingdom of the White Wolf, I think. Okay. It's so good. Everyone. We totally recommend you watch yeah. that. The and Nat Geo specials episodes. are great. Yeah. And so you can it's a quick kind of view. Yes, and it's so entertaining and so informative at the same time. Exactly. So I was actually gonna start with mentioning how the first person or character we all think of when we hear about the female Amazons is Wonder Woman. Yes, very true. Yes. So I'm actually gonna chat a little bit about Wonder Woman because Sick. a lot of the themes and Wonder Woman are actually relevant to the true tales of the oh, Amazons. Okay. That's so cool. So Wonder Woman's origin story um, is that she was sculpted from clay by her mother, Queen Hippoltia. Sorry, I can't pronounce Greek names. That's okay. Hippoltia and was given life as an Amazon warrior as well as superhuman powers um, as gifts by the Greek gods. Right? Mm-hmm. She's, uh, so the character was created by the American psychologist, I didn't know this, American psychologist and writer William Moulton Marston. His pen name was Charles Moulton. Okay. And the artist who originally created her was Harry G. Peter. This is also really interesting, is that Marston's wife, her name was Elizabeth, um, and their shared life partner, Olive Byrne, are credited as being his inspiration for the character's appearance. So Marston, uh, Charles Moulton as his pen name, he had a wife, because I, I can see Andrew's confusion, so I'm explaining <laughs> it again. Yes, he had you. a wife, but they were in like a, a pod, like a tri... Oh, like a tripod. A tripod relationship. <laughs> And their shared partner, who they weren't legally married to, her name was Olive Byrne. And kind of like characteristics from his wife and characteristics, a lot of characteristics from Olive inspired the creation of Wonder Woman. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a very interesting story. Yeah, the concepts behind Wonder Woman drew a lot of inspiration from early feminists and early feminism, the huge movement in the United States to legalize birth control, Mm. Um, and including Olive's aunt was actually Margaret Sanger. Oh, wow. She, yeah, I know. Like, what an interesting little That's grouping kind of, yeah, of people. Very random. So Margaret Sanger and her mom were famous for promoting a woman's right to access birth control if they so choose. And then Margaret Sanger uh, founded Planned Parenthood. And that just happens to be Olive's aunt. Yeah. And mm. all of these women that I've mentioned so far contributed to the inspiration of Wonder Woman. Wow, it's so interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't, that's much more complicated than I could have ever, like, imagined. Right? Yeah, I just thought it would be based on, like, you know, his, like, the dude's wife or, like, I don't know, just, just one Greek person. Or the myth or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, it took very, it, it was a little ahead of its time, but really tapped into this undercurrent emerging wave of feminism in the u.s at least we have this second major wave of feminism in the 60s -hmm. but it appears that during the 40s there was still this idea of like hey birth control actually sounds kind of nice like what if i don't (laughs) want to have nine kids (laughs) (laughs) and so he really tapped into that energy oh okay 
Her character, Wonder Woman, first appeared in DC Comics in December of 1941. And then we know Wonder Woman again through the iconic TV show starring Linda Carter, which aired in 1975. Fun fact, babe, Linda Carter is part Mexican like me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was is looking into half her. and half? I think she's half, like, Mexican, half, like, Scotch-Irish or something, which is funny because I'm also very Irish. Yeah, that's weird. I know. That's cool. Uh, th- when I, you look up the summary of this show, the 1975 show, it says Diana Prince, which is kind of like her... Yeah, that's her, like... Her pseudonym yeah. in our world. Diana Prince, a true Amazonian with special powers, fights bad guys in a skin-tight outfit. In classic wham bam comic book style, <laughs> but as freaking silly as the mention of the skin tight outfit appears, it actually is kind of relevant, and I'll explain why later. Oh, okay, interesting. And then, of course, we have the badass Israeli actress Gal Gadot um, portraying Gadot. I believe <laughs> is the correct pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, portraying Wonder Woman. In 2017, and we are currently awaiting the new movie, Wonder Woman 1984, 1984 which yeah. will be coming out this June. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that takes place in 1984. I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on the film. <laughs> There's no way to know. But <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting that this idea of what we will see through this is this idea, this theme of female strength has hit so many generations. Like, it's Mm -hmm. obviously, I'm about to go into the ancient Greek stories behind it, but we see it in the 40s, in the 70s, and then again today for a new generation. (laughs) You know what's funny? I thought this episode, like, I forgot we were actually going to be talking about, like, the real Amazons, Uh and I was like, are we just going to be talking about Wonder Woman the whole time? That's awesome. No. (laughs) It would be awesome, but I just wanted to to give a shout-out to the character mm-hmm. and its relevance. And as we talk about the the Greek tales and then the real women, it'll all kind of come together. Makes sense. Okay. So, sorry, I just hit the table. So, <laughs> ancient <laughs> Greek tales. The Amazon warrior women appear in Greek mythology, and they are always depicted as beautiful, brave, and deadly. Yes. They are the formidable adversaries to Greek heroes in many of the famous Greek myths. And then here are some examples. Mm-hmm. Theseus, the mythic founder of Athens, oh, wow. he fights and defeats the Amazon named Antiope. Heracles, or Hercules to the Romans, oh. son of Zeus and the most famous Greek hero of all, he sets out on a series of labors, which are like difficult tasks, essentially. Right. And one of them is to obtain the belt of the Amazon Hippolyte. And Hippo- Hippolyta is actually the name of Wonder Woman's mom. Oh, interesting. Okay. So she's based on that Amazonian warrior. And then in the Trojan War, there's a scene where Achilles, we all know Achilles, we all know Achilles. the Trojan War, but I had never heard of the scene in this epic tale where he is locked in hand-to-hand combat with Penthesilia, one of the like m- his equals in in combat and in war, she's an Amazonian woman. Oh, defending Troy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. Yeah. So they come up over and over and over again in Greek mythology. So all of these reasons may be why the Greeks refer to the Amazons as quote the equals of men. And then I want to just quote a little bit. Um, 
of what Adrian Meyer wrote, Mayer wrote in the article. Mm -hmm. By the time Homer wrote the Iliad, around 700 BC, every Greek man, woman, boy, and girl knew exciting Amazon tales. Every single person would have known who they were. Wow, that's so nice. And would have grown up listening to the stories. That's so crazy. Other female characters are often portrayed as weak in in Homer's tale of the Iliad. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like humans, right? Not the goddesses, but the humans. Right. They're just kind of weak, soft. They're not even really given much depth to them. But ex- but the Amazons are these like badass, like, oh no, here come the Amazons. <laughs> and they're so amazing. Mm-hmm. They were commonly depicted in Greek art, in literature, and in pottery, and they were doing things that would have been considered outlandish for Greek women to have done at the time, such as riding horses, shooting arrows, swinging battle axes, fighting with spears, enjoying sexual freedom, and the most outlandish of all, wearing pants. Oh my God. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Did you just faint? Oh yeah. I was, like, throwing spears, but, like, them fighting's okay, but them using spears, whoa, that's going too far, man. (laughs) Not with spears. Not with spears. Anything but spears. And not in pants. (laughs) Yeah. They need to be fighting in dresses, damn Mm -hmm. it. So, basically, to the Greeks and to Greek culture at the time, Mm -hmm. which still impacts our Western culture today, the Amazons were weirdos. They're weirdos. So now that we know a little bit about the backstory about these mythical warriors, right. who were the real women that inspired such tales? Yes, I would like to know. Well, according to archaeological discoveries, we now believe that this fantastical Greek concept mm-hmm. was based on real women belonging to a nomadic people in Eurasia. These people were known to the Greeks as the Scythians. Oh, this like yeah, the Scythians. Scythians, that's yeah. how you pronounce it? Sorry, I've only read this, so in my yeah. head it was Scythians. The Scythi- Scythians? Yeah. Scythian culture spread from the Black Sea to Ukraine and Siberia area. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Massive, okay. right? Yeah, so like Russia mainly. Mainly Russia. Mm-hmm. The characteristics of the Amazon women, again, were was this idea that they were sexually free, they were hunters, they were fighters. And these were all true of Scythian women. Scythian women were amazing horseback riders and archers in battle. Hmm. Similar to the first story I ever did about yes. Kuriyun. I, I You know what? The first, it's funny you mention that because I'm like, the more we, ex- we explore even the Huns as well. Yes. We think that, th- or scientists believe that th- they actually originate from like more or less like present day Mongolia. Mm-hmm. And so that would, that would be kind of interesting if they all came from like roughly the same area. And the same nomadic people. Yeah. Who highly value. Like horses, archery, mm-hmm. like fast combat. Yes. Throughout. And they, this is separated by thousands of years, each one. Yeah. It, really shows how certain aspects of culture can be so enduring. Yeah. It's really beautiful. That is cool. I know. So how did the Greeks know them, right? The Greeks first kind of meet, as far as we know, the Scythians in the 7th century BC. Like, officially they record Mm -hmm. that they met these people. Yeah. Ancient Greek and Roman historian records also show that Cyrus of Persia, Alexander the Great, and General Pompey of Rome would have all encountered Scythian women 
during their travels Interesting. in Eastern lands. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think it might be like really hard to tell for sure. I don't think they always call them the same thing. Right. But based on the descriptions of the women, of their horses, stuff like that, they think it's, they're talking about the same people. That's so cool. It's also hard because Scythians were nomadic, so they're kind right. of moving around and... They didn't really understand like the quote unquote barbarian tribes at the time. Yes, exactly. Um, we also see throughout history that the more Greeks interact with Scythian people, the more vivid the descriptions of Amazons become in their literature. So, oh, so they're almost like ascribing all Amazonian characteristics to like the Scythians. They no, it's they took Scythians and turned it into Amazons, is what is believed. Yeah, that's what I'm basically saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there are specific details about these women that are actually very accurate historical depictions of Scythian culture. Again, such as the types of horses that they rode, their style of horseback riding, and their weaponry. Oh, wow. Like when you read stories about the Amazons, historians can look at that and say, like, they're just describing a Scythian woman. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about sexual equality. The culture of, of Scythians and how women were given so much agency and freedom totally blew the Greeks' minds. In Greece, women were almost always kept inside. Being outdoors wasn't, like, a common thing for them. That's so weird. Yeah, they were expected to stay inside and knit all day or oh. watch children. Sounds like fun. It sounds so fun. Um, But Scythians were nomads, right? Mm -hmm. So they were always on the move, and it was expected that every member of their community, young or old, male or female, would contribute to the survival of the group and learn how to ride horses and fight from a very young age. Oh, interesting. Their way of living and the reality of their environment is what prompted this really amazing egalitarian culture. They didn't really see men and women as different. The mere idea of women being equal to men kind of horrified (laughs) and fascinated the Greeks. And that's why we think that they write about the Amazon so much. It's it's almost like their storytelling of these fantastical women warriors and these really, like, highly feared adversaries was the way for them to explore the concept of sexual equality, like equality between the sexes. Mm -hmm. Without actually having to do it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like fiction, right? It's right. like exploring, like, ooh, could you imagine a world where women are allowed to wear pants and <laughs> ride horses? This is sci-fi channel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's actually pretty funny. Yeah, that would have been their, like their sci-fi at the time, huh? Yeah, this, like, could you imagine women being as feared as men, having as much agency as men? I read in the article from Nat Geo that it was really required for Greek men to dominate, not to just exist at a superior level in society, but to dominate their wives and their daughters. They had to treat them as less than. This was expected. And sounds healthy. Yeah, it sounds super healthy and totally messed up our Western culture forever. So thanks, ancient <laughs> Greeks. But... And and then for the Scythians, they were like, why? Like, we need every able-bodied person. Yeah, to shoot arrows and, like, like kill baddies. Yeah, and and when a woman is your physical equal, it's much harder, obviously, to physically dominate them. Right, absolutely. There's no 
you have that all that power removed. Yeah, and the horseback riding seems to have really done that. Yes, that's true. It was an equalizer for sure. Absolutely. And like with a bow and arrow, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Plato. Let's talk a little bit about Plato. The <laughs> like the kids' toy. Stuff? I loved it. <laughs> love the smell of it. Love the texture. Oh my god, I did love the smell of it. When right? I was, oh god. If absolutely. you smelled it, like you can smell it in your imagination right now. Oh, it brings you right back to childhood. A hundred percent. And just like the the touch of it, the mm-hmm. feel. Building crap out of it. Yeah, it's good stuff. I used to make. You're gonna laugh. Okay. I used to make little pizzas. Oh my god! Of course you did. <laughs> Loved my pizza. I'm not Play-Doh. even like. Rem- <laughs> I'm just not even a little bit surprised. Like that is just so you. Not ashamed. They looked beautiful. <laughs> but no, I was actually talking about the Greek dude Plato. Ah, the philosophizer. Yes, yeah. quiet. So Plato was inspired by the tales of the Amazons and possibly the real-life Scythians when he wrote in favor of training boys and girls equally in Greek society. Oh, he wrote in favor of this. In favor of it. That is actually kind of surprising, to be mm-hmm. honest. Oh. He said that Greek women should, quote, take up bows and arrows like the Amazons and join the men. He also said, now that for no, sorry, I wrote now, but it's no, (laughs) know that for certain there are countless numbers of women around the Black Sea who ride horses and use the bow and other weapons. So they think he was referring to Scythian women at the time. Mm, Interesting. He didn't think it was essentially logical to halt, in his words, quote unquote, halt a state's potential by not training men and women equally. Yeah. He referred to this as, quote, foolish. Interesting. Yeah, and it, he's not the only one. Obviously, like, the Vikings did that. And yes. they were incredibly successful in, like, in the, in their the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do we know all of this, right? There's a lot of mar- modern archaeological discovery that backs up all of these ideas and stories about Scythian women. Mm -hmm. So thanks to scientific advances and how we study human remains, we have a much better understanding of Scythians, um, more specifically their burial practices. And what I think is really beautiful to think about is it makes sense that burial practices would tell us a lot about a culture. Right. Um, So Scythians used burial mounds. They were known as corgans. And I also believe the Etruscans used burial mounds. They did, yeah. So I think it was common at the time, and it's kind of cool to think about. Like little, they look like hills when you look they at do, pictures yeah. of them. Vikings did the same. That's so interesting. I wonder. Yeah. Such different cultures, those yeah. three. And, so, and you know what's funny, actually, um, really quick aside, like yeah. Bjorn Ironside, we actually think, like, we actually, there's a small hill uh-huh. that's still around to this day that we think is actually his burial mound. That's so crazy. Yeah. I remember when I did my summer abroad in Rome, we saw... Little burial mounds, but they Mm -hmm. really just, to me, looked like teeny cute hills everywhere. Um, So we first discovered, we, me. And me, you. You and me (laughs) and Stella. So we first discovered. It was mainly Stella's contribution, though. Yeah, back in the 1940s. (laughs) Stella. Thank you. Thank you, Stella. We discovered these burial mounds, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But of course, archaeologists of the 1940s were like... So dumb. They were dumb. Sorry, guys. (laughs) They were just (laughs) dum-dums. They were like, it's all men because they were buried with armor and with weapons and they were buried to look like they were mounting their horses and they were... The skeletons had these battle wounds on them. They were like, yeah, it's dudes. There's no women here. Oh, well. 
But it turns out they were wrong. Um, thanks to DNA testing, we right. now know that many of the people buried in these mounds were also female. And I had, I just wondered to myself, I wrote, could they not tell from the skeletons? Because a male and female pelvis look different. Yeah, I think they're, babe, like you said, I think they're just dumb. They were too blinded by their sexism yeah, to even consider like, it. Oh, it's a man. Here, it's okay. Moving on to the next one, sonny boy. Exactly. Let's go fight the Nazis now. <laughs> So one-third of the Scythian women um, that have been found so far were buried with all of their weapons. Whoa. Yeah. Skeletons of the women display wounds from battle like slashed ribs. And one Scythian woman who's been found in Armenia had an arrowhead lodged in her femur. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. So... Essentially, what all of this evidence shows is that these women were given the full warrior rights of a Scythian warrior. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. We're still learning a lot about Scythian culture and the warrior women today. As recently as 2019, archaeologists working in Russia found a Scythian tomb with four bodies inside. Evidence oh. shows, yeah, really recent. It was the end of 2019 also. Wow. Yeah. Evidence shows that these women who um, were, I'm sorry, these women were buried in about the 4th century BC. Okay, so a while ago. A little while ago. They were buried with their weapons, with elaborate headdresses, and one woman in this tomb specifically is buried in the stance of a horse rider. So they think that means she was like quite an excellent horseback rider, like known for that. The youngest woman in the tomb was a 13-year-old warrior. Oh, my God. And the oldest would have been in her mid to late 40s. Wow. That's a big age difference right there. Mm-hmm. They fought for their whole lives. Yeah, geez. This site was in western Russia. Mm-hmm. And based on the like exact re- region, they think that it's very likely that the Greeks would have encountered these women there. That they would have run into each other. Right, Absolutely. So, some closing thoughts that I have. Oh, yeah, that that would have been Uh roughly around the time of, like, Alexander the Great. Yes. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense then. So, I just really want to point out that, I don't know, just how impactful these real women were. Mm -hmm. These This real culture. You know, it's not just the women. It takes everyone in a culture to make a culture. That they, first, they impact ancient Greek literature and art and everything so much so that we had comic books inspired by this in the forties <laughs> and we had a TV show in the seventies and we have movies coming out today talking about the Amazons who in essence are the Scythian women. Yeah, that's so cool. I think that's just so beautiful and inspiring and it's, it sucks that this is, was in their time considered weird. And obviously we see the reason I wanted to bring up Wonder Woman is because we see over and over again Wonder Woman as a character speaks to this weird idea of women as being equal in some way, whether it's through physical strength or through their superpowers, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. But it keeps coming up. Like, we're not letting it go. And it over time, obviously, we've progressed more and more and more and gotten closer and closer and closer to that ideal. This really beautiful way that the Scythians lived that they had no idea would have so much impact on culture. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It's really cool. Yeah, so that is the story 
of the real Amazon warriors. Wow. So, okay, that's that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I always, obviously I said this earlier, but like I always just assumed they're mythical. And in a way they kind of were, but they're mythical and real. Right. Yeah, like the Greek legends are obviously myths, mm-hmm. but even to the Greeks, they weren't considered myths the way we consider them. Right. If you think about it, these stories were meant to be their history. Mm-hmm. The founding of their most prominent cities, the biggest battles that influenced their culture and way of living, and they infused these women into them as truth. Yes. No, absolutely. That's a, that's a good way of phrasing it. I think, honestly, that like maybe the, the exact stories, mm-hmm. like, like they might be myths, but like the... The actions and, and like and like what happened, mm-hmm. like maybe stretch a little bit, but honestly, is more or less the truth in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I just love that in a society where men and women did not live in an equal way, mm-hmm. they still toyed with this idea, and they. It's almost like there there was this little bit of hope and a little bit of promise, and. It inspired people enough for even Plato to, like, actually ask for change and to demand change and to point out how stupid it is to see people as an equal. Like, why would you want to miss out on half your talent? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you. That was awesome. Those are the weirdos. And I thank all the women that came before that were considered weird. um, But we're actually just warriors. (laughs) (laughs) That is really, really cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for listening, and thank you all for listening to this episode. Yes, yes. Well, I th- do you have anything else to share, or is that is that pretty much it? That's about it. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? Okay. Well, you can find us, of course, at our website, which is historyforweirdos.com. Also, you can find us on Instagram at historyforweirdos, as well as Twitter at historyforweirdos, mm-hmm. and TikTok, the youngins machine, at history underscore four underscore weirdos. Exactly. And we love to connect and hear from you all. And thank you so much for listening. We hope, uh, oh my gosh, is this like, I was going to say Austin or Portland's slogan, stay weird. Stay weird. Which I think city it's, yeah. is it? Oh man, I can honestly see both of them <laughs> saying that. Well, we should go to those cities and record from there. Yeah, we definitely should. Meet some weirdos. I know. Thank you so much for listening, weirdos. Adios, weirdos. Till next time. (laughs) 